Good morning. Glad to be with y'all this morning. If you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. We are going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning. We'll get there in just a minute. I'm grateful to be with you guys. I'm grateful that Pastor Eric introduced me. Uh, you never know what you're going to get with Pastor Brandon, right? So, um, and there he sits. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, again, I, I'm grateful for this church. We've said this before. Folks say it a lot, but um, God is at work here at Cross Lanes, and this church serves well, and folks in this church serve well. And that's what we're going to talk about today is a heart for service. What does it look like when we, as God's people, have a heart for service? Since part of the, uh, the series that we're in and this renewed generosity theme that we're talking about, uh, being reminded from Lamentations chapter 3 uh, of God's faithful love toward us and how every day his mercies are made new. Guys, we need that. And whenever we, when we understand these truths, it begins to shape us and make us into faithful disciples, the people of God, who live our lives in service to our King. So today we're going to think through that. What does it mean to serve? When we think about service or being service-oriented in our culture here, usually we think about being customer-service-oriented. There's nothing wrong with being customer-service-oriented. Uh, we want to serve right, our, the customer well, so that, what, so that he or she will be satisfied, and then they will come back, and they'll do what? They will spend more money. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. Christian service isn't focused uh, just like that. Uh, we're going to talk about living as a Christian with a heart for service in everyday life. I want us to primarily think about what does it look like? How does this apply to us as we serve at home? Uh, as we serve in our church and as we serve in our community. And when Peter wrote 1 Peter chapter 4, he was writing to a group of people that were not in the best of situations as far as we would uh, say, hey, this, this would be a great place for the church to serve and grow. These folks were being persecuted uh, severely. The church was being discriminated against. They were being mistreated. Some were being put to death. And in the midst of all this, Peter tells them, he exhorts them, he encourages them to live life with hope and holiness so that they might reflect the character of God in their daily lives, even in very, very difficult circumstances. In chapter 4, Peter begins to talk about the difference between living in the flesh and living in the spirit, living for ourselves and living for God. And that gets us to chapter 4, verse 7, where we're going to pick up. I'm going to read, but let me pray for us before we jump in. God, <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, I pray that you would uh, teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit what you're saying in the Bible, and that, God, you would change us. God, you would keep making us into the people that you want us to be. 
serving you, serving others, and doing that in the right way. God, help us. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We'll get to service here in just a second, but Peter starts off talking about the end is near. Uh, I think it's important for us as we live our lives as Christians to live in light of the fact that Jesus could come back at any time. And if Peter was saying the end is near 2,000 years ago, the end is a whole lot closer than it was then. It's imminent. Jesus is going to come back. And, and, and when, he, when we think about the end is near, y'all, any of you ever see Ghostbusters, right? And, and towards the end, as things are getting crazy, and everybody's worried, and you see all the people out on the streets and the sandwich boards, and the end is near. And Peter doesn't call us to some crazy, hysterical, end-time living. He calls us to simple, faithful, everyday Christian living in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. The lordship of Jesus and the urgency of the moment requires us to give all effort and focus on serving God and others well. Self-serving and self-focused living cannot be a part of a true Christian life. And that's tough because we all struggle with that at different times. And here's the thing. We need to continually repent and recenter, be self-controlled, like he says, sober-minded. We need to be praying and say, God, help me to serve you and others well, Jesus came to serve. He calls us to serve in his name. Humble service is the necessary means of following Jesus and finding ourselves useful in the kingdom of God. So the question is, what does it mean to serve well? What does it look like in our lives if we're going to serve well? We're going to talk about three essentials today. How to serve. The first one is this. We serve through the power of God. Another way you could say that is we serve through the strength of God. Verses 10 and 11 say this, just as each one has received a gift, a gift from God, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified. God strengthens us to serve him. In, in verse 10 there where it says, as each has received a, a gift, what that's talking about, as believers, we've all received a grace gift or a spiritual gift from God. At least one that God tells us to use to serve him. That comes from God. We are to be good stewards of God's grace in our lives. Here's the thing. I don't own anything in God's economy. Whenever I became a Christian, I didn't bring anything to the table 
that allowed me in and of myself to serve him and others well. However, the Bible teaches that whenever I heard the gospel, whenever I understood that salvation comes through Jesus, his death on the cross, he takes our sin and pays the penalty. He gives us his righteousness and Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that he fills us. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance that we have. God's Spirit lives in us as believers, and he empowers us as believers. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they talk about the spiritual gifts, different gifts that each of us are given that we use to serve. And here's the thing, our ability, our competence to serve God is totally dependent on receiving power from God. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3. He's speaking of our salvation, the victory that we have in Jesus and and therefore our call to serve him as ministers of the new covenant as he thinks about being called to serve in Jesus name. In the world, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, who is sufficient for these things? How in the world can I, as a man, serve in Jesus' name out in the world? And he's asking a rhetorical, there's no, nobody can do that. Nobody is sufficient in and of themselves to serve. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 6 give us an answer. It says this, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient or able or capable to be ministers or servants of the new covenant. So when we became God's people, we believed on Jesus and Holy Spirit came to live in us. God gave us the ability and the power to serve him well. Um, One of the primary ways we're called to serve again is through our spiritual gifts. And when he talks about gifting, In verse 11, he breaks those up into into two general categories. Peter's not looking here to say, okay, I want everybody to dig in and try to figure out what your spiritual gift is. What he's saying is, "I, I want you to serve. You've been given power and strength from God. Now go serve. If you're going to speak, if you're going to teach, if you're going to have the gift of prophecy or or more apostolic type gifting, I want you to speak the words of God. Go out and serve in that way. And then he says, if you're going to serve a little bit more, maybe behind the scenes, some of those service giftings are giving, right? The givers, helping, mercy, even leadership. Leadership, I don't know if you know this, that's a serving, very much a serving gift, undergirding the work that God is doing in the world. So what he's saying is the Holy Spirit has gifted you. Maybe it is to speak. Maybe it is to be a little bit more behind the scenes, but you need to go out and serve through the power that God gives you. Here's a question I think about sometimes. Think about serving through the power of God. How much of our life is lived in the flesh and how much is lived in the power of the Spirit? Another way to ask that question is this. How much of what we do in our daily lives could we do anyway if we weren't Christians filled with the Spirit of God? 
For example, waking up in the morning, eating, sleeping. You don't have to be a Christian to do those things. Right? Driving to work. Right? We just now, you can drive to work in the flesh, right? And you can drive to work in the spirit. Anybody ever drove to work in the flesh? Right. Um, but but driving to work, it doesn't take a lot. Here's another thing. Coming to church. Do you have to be a spirit-filled Christian to, to come to church? You do not. What sitting through a worship service? Sitting at a ball game. Here's the thing too. Doing something nice for someone. You don't have to be a spirit-filled Christian to do those things. Non-Christians can do them. So my question is, are we living spirit-filled, spirit-empowered lives to go out and serve in the way that God calls us to? What I'm not talking about here is like this a, a charismatic outburst of craziness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God fills us, God works through us, and we serve through that strength. It's a little bit like Philippians chapter 4 whenever Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's not a proud statement, that's a humble statement. He's just recounted, sometimes he has a lot, sometimes he doesn't have very much. Uh, sometimes his circumstances are good, sometimes his circumstances are bad. But what he's saying is, in the life that God has given me, I can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We should be filled with the Spirit and operating in the power of the Spirit. I'll give you an example of that. We should be exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is what Galatians says, love, this is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things ought to be in our lives as Christians. And we ought to be, like Peter says here in the beginning, alert, sober-minded, and praying, God, fill me with your Spirit that I would exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, that it would be a part of who I am in Christ. Another way that we know if we're filled with God's Spirit and serving others through the power of God. I love 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. If you'll just turn back a little bit there, it says this. The way we live our everyday life as a witness for Jesus will tell about us serving others through the power of God. He says this, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Or another way that he says that is, I want you to live such good lives among the pagans, among the unbelievers... That even when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. God calls us to live life different through his power and serves others. The point is this. We're called to live in the power of the Spirit. He gives us gifts and fills us with spiritual fruit to be his servants and his witnesses every single day. And I was thinking about power and what what's what's the most powerful thing i've ever seen in my life you know, was that movie was powerful or this thing was powerful i'll tell you the most powerful thing i've ever seen in my life we took a trip our family we took a trip out west when we were still with the imb we were going to go visit a church out in washington state that had adopted our people group and on the way we stopped 
at the Grand Coulee Dam on the Columbia River. Anybody ever been to the Grand Coulee Dam? Not many. Okay. This thing is huge. It's a monster. It is the largest hydroelectric power plant in the U.S. Um, it is three and a half times bigger than the Hoover Dam. This thing is big. 12 million cubic yards of concrete. So, for certain engineers, that probably means something, right? But for the rest of us, here's what 12 million cubic yards of concrete does. You build a sidewalk four feet wide and four inches deep, and that thing will go around the equator twice. That's how much concrete is in this building. It produces enough power to service 11 states and parts of Canada. 33 turbines. Bottom line, this thing is big. It's a monster. I remember whenever we came driving up and, you know, we're going to go see the dam and all the requisite semi-inappropriate jokes that go with that. Um, some of y'all got it. Um, it was either Anna or Joseph, I can't remember, looked at, and there was a little bit of water cascading down the front of this thing, huge. And they said, wow, that is a big water slide. <laughs> but here's the thing. That power plant has all kinds of potential to do work. But if there is no water running through that thing, to turn those turbines and to create that energy, it's just a concrete nothing. And that's the way we are in God's service. We have potential to serve Him, created in His image, loved by Him, saved through the power of Jesus. But if we are not being empowered by Holy Spirit on a daily basis... We're not really doing anything. We're not really doing very much for the kingdom of God. So the first thing I want us to think of as we serve, as we reach out, let's serve through the power of God, Holy Spirit inside of us. Number two is this. We serve out of love for God and others. Back to 1 Peter 4. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, Above all, Maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9 says this, Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Keep loving one another earnestly, constantly, daily. Well, how do we do that? That's hard. 1 John chapter 4 helps us understand this just a little bit. To serve out of love says, love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's the thing. We don't know what love really is. As sin-fallen uh, people, we get it confused. We get it wrong. But God shows us love by sacrificing and by giving his son to come down and on the cross, pay the penalty for our sin. And like we said before, 
our sin goes to him. His righteousness goes to us. And we're saved. That's what it means, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then he says this, Dear friend, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. So the love that God calls us to have and to serve with is a whole lot more than just an emotional love. It's more than even just a friendly love. This is agape love. It's from God. It's steadfast. It's faithful. And it's a willing to sacrifice for others kind of love. And we got to keep ourselves centered and constantly asking if we are serving out of love for God or if we're serving out of love for others. Uh, are we serving for the right reasons or are we serving for the wrong reasons? I remember a, there was a, a friend of mine when we served in Asia. He was telling me about a time whenever he was working in this village with this local church and there were folks that were serving, they were working and they were giving and, 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 and this was a, a church that was struggling out among an unreached people group. And one of the people in the church felt like they should be getting some credit for what they were doing. I'm serving and I need to get some pats on the back. So one, one day, the pastor stands up and says, Brother such and such over here has been serving and he wants everybody to know it. And instead of getting his applause in heaven, we're going to go ahead and give him his applause now. So let's all clap our hands. And they all clapped their hands for a minute. And then they went back to the work of the Lord. But as we think about serving, we need to think about why we do it. We must serve out of love for God and love for others. It can't be a self-serving thing. It has to be a God-serving and others-serving thing. And we've got to watch out. Matthew 24, Jesus says this, as the time gets close to the end and Jesus is speaking about the end times, he said, some, some people, their love will grow cold. Guys, it's easy for us to lose that sense of God loving us and therefore we go out and love others. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, read that. It helps us understand what it looks like and what it means to keep love for God and love for others as central in our lives. It is the thing that matters. If you're thinking, well, well, do I have this love from God? Am I exhibiting this love from God? The text here gives us two tests or two aspects of this love. The first one is forgiveness. The second one is hospitality. Let's look at forgiveness here. Verse 8 says this. Maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, what does that mean? First, let's say what it doesn't mean. What that doesn't mean is that your love for someone else can atone for their sins. It won't. We've already read from 1 John that Jesus is the one who atones for our sins. Jesus is the one that, that forgives us. But we can also see in 1 Peter 2.24... This is what Peter says about Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Our love doesn't heal or forgive or cover sin in that sense, but Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross does. 1 Peter 3.18 also shares the gospel with us in this way. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. So Jesus is the one that saves us. Well, then how does our love cover a multitude of sins? Here's how it does. Your love for others can imitate the mercy of God shown to us in Jesus. 
Your love for others ought to imitate the mercy of God shown to us in Jesus. And what that means in practical terms is when somebody has wronged us, we go and forgive them. We've got to be people who are able to forgive others, to, to give and to receive the love of God in that way. Otherwise, how do we bear witness to the Lord's forgiveness and how do we maintain unity in the faith? Are we people that know how to forgive well and have sin covered in that sense? Remember when Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness, Jesus had been talking uh, and teaching and some difficult teaching on forgiveness and, and Peter's going to, I find it interesting. He's the one that wrote this, and, and he was the one that was dealing with Jesus years and years ago before this. He says, so am I supposed to forgive somebody seven times? Like, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever had to forgive the same sin that's been committed against you seven times? That's a tall order. And Jesus says, no, not seven, 70 times seven. Now, what Jesus wasn't saying is, I want you to get a piece of paper, all your friends and, and family members, put their names down and put the, the number 490. And every time they sin against you, you just subtract a number. When you get down to zero, then you can stop forgiving. That's not what he was talking about. What he was saying is, you forgive and you forgive and you forgive and you forgive. Because that's how God is with us. We've got to be people who serve out of love for God, love for others. And forgiveness is one of the ways that we know if God's love is in us that way. A second one is hospitality. Verse 9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Literally, that means love for the outsider, love for the foreigner. I grew up in a home where the motto was, we take care of our own. Right? We weren't very hospitable, actually. I didn't know a whole lot about hospitality until my my wife and I began to serve in Asia. And, and we would go into these poor villages. Now, if there was ever an outsider in these villages, if there was ever a foreigner in these villages, it was me. I was, I'm as, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm just as white as I can be, right? Um, I speak their language kind of, especially in the beginning. Uh, the, there's nothing like about me that's like these folks. And we go into these villages, our goal, our hope is to be able to, to, to build relationships, to share the gospel. But we're depending on people being hospitable to us. And you know what? Sometimes we'd walk up to a home, it's up on stilts, and, and maybe three or four chickens running around underneath, and a bag of rice. And these folks invariably would invite us in. And they would fix something for us to drink. And they would ask us if we would stay at their home. And then they would fix us a meal. You know what we're going to eat that night? We're going to eat one of those chickens that was running around. That's about all they had in a lot of the villages that we went to. Imagine if you took whatever it is that you would say is yours, your assets, right? 401k, all that kind of stuff. And and you say, I'm just going to take a fourth of this and give it to this guy over here that I don't know. Most of us struggle to understand that kind of hospitality. But we need to learn. Because here's what Jesus said. Matthew 25, he says, I was hungry, and what? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And then he says this, I was a stranger 
and you took me in. Guys, it is vital for us to learn how to be hospitable. And, and, you, and the love of God that's been shown to us, we are able to show that to others. This was critical for the early church. For the gospel to move forward, folks were dependent on hospitality. Hotels, restaurants, swiping credit cards, they, they didn't have that kind of stuff back then like we do now. Forgiveness and hospitality. Do we show these things well and serve God and others by using these? How do, how do we apply this? Well, forgiveness, may, maybe you need to go to somebody and say either, will you forgive me or I forgive you. Exercising that and showing the love of God. What about hospitality? Guys, I think this is an area that the church in America... I think if the church in America is going to see a revival, it's not primarily going to happen. Y'all, I'm not being heretical, please, so, so hear me out on this one. It's not primarily going to happen through pulpits. I think it's going to happen at dinner tables. Okay? Do I need to open up my home to someone? See, think about this. Um... There's one pulpit here, right? But think about all the households that are represented in this congregation. Think about all of the communities that are represented just in this congregation. Think about all the workplaces, right? All the schools that are represented right here. And if we would uh, reach out through the love of God, build relationships, and open up the doors to our homes, open up our dinner tables, maybe even open up our pocketbooks, what would God do with that? Guys, we can serve that way. 1 John 3 says this, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods, and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. God's calling us to that, to, to act out the love that he, we have through Christ and to do that and serve others out in the world where we live. So we serve through the power of God. We serve out of love for God and others. And the third thing is this. We serve to bring glory to God. Look at verse 11. It's all about serving. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides. So that, here's the goal, here's the result that we want to see. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. It reminds us of the catechism. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Now, here's the problem. We love ourselves, don't we? Uh, it's hard. 
If we are serving for self-glory, that's called idolatry. It's a sin. Our service is an act of worship and submission that should point us and others to the greatness of God. Here's a question for us. What if nobody ever knew my name or ever knew anything I did in, the, in service for the kingdom of God? Would I still do it? Would I be willing to serve and be totally anonymous? I'd better be. Here's the thing. Remember, it's called the kingdom of God. It's not called the kingdom of Danny. Right? It's called the kingdom of God. It's not called the kingdom of Cross Lanes Baptist Church. Now, I say that. I think Cross Lanes Baptist Church is one of those churches that desires, deeply desires, and serves in such a way to be a God-glorifying church. But we've got to remember that it's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about the gospel of Jesus. It's about God being glorified through what Jesus has done and us being witnesses to that and serving others in that way. The big, big picture, it's about God's plan being accomplished that all the nations would be blessed through the Son of God. Guys, we talk about that. Uh, right down the street and around the world. That's how we need to serve, to the glory of God. Everything I do and say ought to point to Jesus. We need to have that John 3.30 attitude. The, uh, you know, John the Baptist, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Am I, am I willing to, to step back so that others, and step back and serve. I'm not saying step back and don't, I'm saying step back and serve. Whatever that looks like, serve, but do it so that Jesus can be glorified and magnified. That's not easy. I remember when I was growing up, we had a, a, a little local newspaper. Who grew up and there was a local newspaper, right? It came out once a week in the little town I was in on Wednesdays. And who, any of us ever, any of you ever able to get your name and picture in the local newspaper? Raise your hand and just have a moment. No. Um, well, the only chance I had for getting my name and picture in the newspaper, well, I had some chances in certain ways, but the, the best chance I had to get a little bit of glory was I played on the football team. I, I, was, I was smaller than Brandon. I weighed about 145 pounds soaking wet. How often am I going to get my name and picture in the local newspaper? Not very often, right? But I wanted it, Right? And, and I can remember, I played, and, and every now and again, I'd get out there on the field, and every now and again, something good might accidentally happen, right? And I can remember, those were, that's Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, too. I'm waiting for that paper to come out on Wednesday, because I can't wait to see if my picture and my name's going to be in the paper. And usually it was not. But I tell you, I'm so, you know, now media like that is, is not, we don't use that like we used to in the past, right? So we don't have to worry so much about narcissism and self-focus. Aren't y'all just glad that 
today's technology doesn't allow for that. Facebook, how often is that post all about me? Right? Instagram, no bad pictures on that one, right? We, we show the best and, and the good and everything else. And guys, we crave that pat on the back. We crave for people to look at us and say these things about us. And we can't be that way. We've got to be people. That, I'm telling you, if we're going to live our lives for the glory of God, we have got to be people who pray for humility and learn how to exercise it on a daily basis. When good things happen in our lives, glory to God, right? What if, what if I go to work and they say, man, you have done such a good job. We're going to give you a raise. Glory to God. What if I go to work and they say, man, this is tough situation we're in right now. And there's not a spot here anymore. Glory to God. What if somebody we're serving and working, somebody gets saved, somebody gets baptized? Glory to Cross Lanes Baptist Church? No, glory to God, right? If we've prayed for something, I'm thinking of a specific example where uh, I prayed with someone that they would engage their one. You know, we've talked about who's your one. Who's that person that you're engaging with the gospel on a regular basis? I prayed with someone on a Sunday night for their one. On Monday, their one came to them and said, hey, I think I need to talk to you about God. Glory to, to Danny and this person for praying for their one. No, glory to God. God works these things out. What if Cross Lanes continues to grow it's missional outreach, and it ought to. We need to continue to find ways to engage the world for Christ here and, and all the way on the other side of the world. We continue to grow our missional outreach, continue to engage unreached people groups with the gospel. Along the way, pay off a building and have more resources to continue going out and engaging our community in the world. Glory to us? No, guys, that is everything we do is glory to God. We've got to be humble in the way we serve and point to him. An unreached people group becomes a reached people group through the work that God does. And they go on mission among other unreached people groups. Glory to God. God's calling us to serve. He's calling us to to give. He's calling us to go. He's calling us to do it through his power, through his love, and for his glory. And when I think think about those things, power, love, and glory. And we're going to close with this. I don't know a place in the Bible where I see power, love, and glory better than Revelation chapter 7. As we begin to think about serving and, 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 and being obedient to God as he calls us to go and he empowers us and through his love and for his glory, 
as we read through this and we sing, and we have a little bit of an invitation time here, I want you to think about the, the awesome task that God has called us to as his people who serve him through this local church. It's so easy to, to come and, and, and to sit and for, for there to be a routine that involves that and to lose sight of the greatness of what God is doing and what he has called us to be a part of. So John is in heaven. He's getting a vision of heaven, a revelation. And, and God is on the throne, and Jesus is at his right hand, and the angels are praising. It says, after this, I looked... And there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne. They worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So as we, as we close this morning, I want you to think about, and I want you to pray about, how is it that God is calling me to serve? What does it look like for me to come alongside God's people at Cross Lanes Baptist Church and through his power and love and for his glory, find a way to serve here. Find a way to serve out in the community where I live, where I work, where I play. Maybe even find a way to go out and serve on the other side of the world and be a part of seeing Revelation 7-9 happen. Let's pray. God, we are humbled whenever we think about what you've called us to. God, your greatness, God, your love for people, specifically to us through Jesus and how you saved us from our sin. God, you've given us an inheritance that cannot be taken away ever. God, we've got eternal life in you and you've given us, God, this short window of time on this earth to serve. God, to be a part of your work and your mission here in this community and all over the world. So God, I pray that you would speak to us about what it looks like for us to serve you well in that mission. God, to serve you well as a part of your church. God, we don't want to just live and, and, and not be a part of this. So God, speak to us, work in our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be up.